next morning I was awoken to the sounds of locks being clunkered open and doors banging. The noise was coming closer and closer. Then it was my turn. My cell door was flung open and a screw said, Come on, son. Don't hold these blokes up for breakfast. They get pissed off easy around here. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm getting there, boss. Take a breath. As I scrambled around the cell like a rat, trying to get out of a bad situation. What do I take, boss? Down there, my toothbrush, my comb? Whatever you want, he said. Oh, I'll take both, was my um, response. Every crim on the landing looked at me when I uh, stepped out of my cell. I saw and felt their, their shock. Then it started. They began pointing and laughing as if I were an uh, exhibit solely for their entertainment. I hated their attention. It churned up a thick, deep anger, and I pretended I really didn't give a stuff. Mostly, I wanted a smoke. We all lined up for a breakfast of boo porridge and toast and coffee and tea. We carried our plastic food trays back to our cells where we were again locked up for an hour or so. Then we were let out and I was taken into the front yard, which was the exercise area for us crims in protective custody. I sucked on a bludgeoned smoke while talking to some of the other blokes in the yard, asking after a few older crims who'd hailed from around Piermont and Balmain. Then a screw entered the yard to inform me that I had a visitor. When I arrived at the visiting area, the screw at my side, I was conscious that my oversized prison clothing made me look like a fucking joke. I was shown into a booth where the screws told me to sit down for a, a no-contact visit. Dad Rabideau's bag with him as uh, usual, and his younger brother, Uncle Morgan, was sitting on the other side of the perspex. Uncle Morgan's face always reminded me of a goanna's perch on top of his gangly, praying, mantis-like body. But the pair of them did look worried. I picked up the telephone. Dad's voice crackled over the receiver. Don't they have any clothes to fit you in there? Dad, I'm in a grown-up jail, Dad. They don't have kids' clothes here, mate. Ah, oh, yeah, that's right, he said. What's it like in there? Ah, oh, it's okay. I said and told Dad that I should be out in a couple of weeks. Now that I'm in jail, the youth and community services will soon take me back into the uh, juvenile system, Dad, and I'll go to Mount Penang and Gosford. Oh, Morgan fucking pipes in. I've heard it's a bastard of a joint up there. It has to be better than here, mate. Have a look at the joint. Have a look at the clothes on me too. I shook my head at my uncle. We're down to some serious business, I thought. Dad, I need a radio and some cash for a buy-up. This was the weekly shop where the prisoners could buy tailor-made cigarettes or coffee, chocolates and chips. It was like a corner store. You could even buy radios and TVs if you had the coin. How much do you need, Dad said. I'm not made of money, you know. 
I don't know, Dad, 20 or something. Okay, he said, I'll put it in for you. So what's the food like? Not as good as Mum's, I said. Well, think yourself lucky. You've got to feed. Yeah, I guess so. How's Mum? Oh, you know, the old lady. Not much changes there, Dean. Oh, yeah. I should be out in two years. I said I'll be 17. And you'll want to pull your fucking head in after this shit. Dad said firmly and pressed his lips together. Fatherly advice as ever. I thought I went quiet. Morgan piped up. I got that HK Olden. Uh, still for you. It was a 327 V8 sedan. You can have it when you get out. It's still all grey and undercoat, he said. All ready to be painted. I could see Morgan was feeling sorry for me, but I also knew that I couldn't believe a word he said. You lying old bastard, I thought. Why didn't you give it to me before I was put away then? I asked. Oh, Dean, you already had the Ford Angler, mate. Yeah, Morgan, okay. That'd be sweet. I said, going along with him. The prisoner officer passed by me. Five minutes, Kent, come out of his mouth. Dad needed no second bidding. He was already heaved himself to his feet, clutching his bag. Looks like it's beer time, son. Look after yourself and don't let anyone stand over you. I'll be right, Dad. See you, Dean, said Morgan, also raising to his feet. Yeah, see you, Morgs. Look after yourself, mate, I said. Oh, by the way, you can paint that car bright pink for me. And I mean bright pink, I said. Morgan's face nearly hit the floor. After a long breath, he said, if you want pink, Dean, you got pink. But I knew he was never going to give me his bloody car. He was just trying to make me feel better for now. They left. I was escorted back to the yard. I was quickly finding out that these escorts would never leave my side, no matter where I went in this jail. After all, imagine the uproar if I'd gotten raped or murdered anywhere. I was put back in the protection yard with about 20 crims, except I wasn't there long before. I was called up to the fence again. I had to go and get a classification. This meant people were deciding where I would go from here because of my age. I knew it was the boys' home for me. But other prisoners would be classified into other jails in the state, some to minimum or medium prisons, and some would be staying in maximum security. It all depends on their crime and their behaviour and how they acted in there and the length of their sentence. While I was in reception waiting to be classified, I noticed a guy mopping the floor. I knew him from Piermont. His name was Tony Berry, and he was doing life for killing a service station attendant in a botched arm robbery. He'd put on a lot of weight since I'd last seen him. Now he looked like Friar Tuck with his shaved head and fat gut. He must have sensed me staring at him and looked up. Hey, Dean, he called. Hey, Tony, I, I thought it was you. Is Brian here? I said. Have you come across him? Yeah, he's in the circle. He was referring to the large concrete circle smack in the middle of the wings with a grass centre. Because I was in 
a protection wing, I didn't have access to the area. But prisoners from the other five wings did. In the middle of the circle, there were weightlifting equipment and some prisoners would walk or jog around the circle for exercise. Others simply laid on the grass. I asked Big Tony to tell Brian I said hello. That I will, Tony said. At 4.30pm, the same day we were in the process of being locked up for the night and I had just been given a small carton of chocolate milk and a banana to take to my cell. On my way up the stairs, I heard a lot of shouting from the circle. One crim yelled the other voices, above the other voices, hey, good looking, suck on this, and his hand cupped on his crutch. The whole lot of them were laughing and whistling, and I spotted Brian down there in the crowd. Never one let to an opportunity pass. I shouted back, why don't you suck on this? And I pulled my dick out of my pants and waved it at them. The mainstream crims fell about laughing at my nerve. Hey, Dean, how long did you get, shouted Brian. Five years, easy as I'll do it on my head. The crim that flashed, I'd flashed my dick piped up. Not with a head, you just showed me. That sent them off even laughing more. Brian yelled over their laughter. They did get over for a catch-up, but I never saw him again.